Good morning, everyone. Well, I want to start this morning with, thank you, Beth. I want to start this morning with an embarrassing story. Um, but this is, this, is not, this is not a funny one. So don't wait for the punchline. Um, so last fall, a friend came over to the house and was talking to me in the backyard. And uh, she was telling me that she was having a really hard time. And it came into my mind to pray with her and that I thought something from Jesus might be able to help her in this time. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I, I didn't say anything about that. And I wondered why I, I passed that opportunity. So here's, here's what I wrote in my journal that night as I thought about it. Uh, why I don't pray with others, why I don't share faith. Um, I'm afraid they aren't receptive, that it would be uncomfortable, that I'd make Jesus more annoying to them. Um, I want to be the pastor who's easy to be around. I'm caught off guard and not ready for the opportunity. Uh, I don't think what to say until later. I just find that's totally out of step with uh, what I know about the Christian faith. You know, Jesus, when he calls the first disciples in, in Matthew chapter uh, four, he says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So he didn't say, you know, come follow me and I'll make you really loving or come follow me and I'll teach you how to act like me. He said, come follow me and I'll, I'll make you fish for people. Come be my disciples so I can show you how to make other disciples. And, and how does this same gospel end in the gospel of Matthew? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the gospel starts with, uh, I'm going to show you how to go make disciples, make you fishers of men. And after his last words are like, okay, now go do it. The apostle Paul got it. If, if I go over to 1 Corinthians um, in chapter uh, eight, uh, 9, verse 16, Paul says, uh, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. So sharing our faith in Jesus is not extra credit. Um, it's, it's not just something super Christians do. It's not just something that pastors do, or in your case, something other people's pastors do. My objection that I, you know, I'm embarrassed, I don't want to make it awkward, it's not adequate. It's not adequate to the importance of what's going on. Um, in Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Uh, the Jew first and then also the Gentile. So he's talking about, I share it with my own people, I share it with other people. Jesus uh, says uh, in Mark chapter 8, If anyone's ashamed of me and my message in this adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father uh, with the holy angels. So my answer is really not adequate. So why share our faith? It kind of is here, Right? Jesus calls us to it. Jesus calls us to tell other people about him, to make disciples from the first of the gospel to the very end. Um, 
Another why would be to be like Jesus. If that's a big thing we want to do in the Christian life, we want to be more like Jesus. Jesus was all about sharing who he was from the very beginning, to how he called people, the last words, what he sent them out to do, and all in between. You know all the verses? You know, I come not for the healthy, but I came for the sick, and there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. And, and uh, the book of Acts in the New Testament, what the disciples did afterward, every single chapter and more followed Jesus, and more became disciples, and more were baptized that day. It's what the whole thing's about. A more practical, less important, but more practical reason would be that this world just needs more Christians right now and not less. I mean, just look around. We need less filth and more purity, and we need less dishonesty and more honesty, and we need less hate and more love. And there's not a thing we can do to achieve any of those goals. There's not a law we can pass to make people more loving, to make people more honest, to make people more pure. We try it. We try it all the time. We're trying it right now. Every time in the history of humanity that we try to pass a law to change human hearts, that law itself becomes the next monster, doesn't it? Enforcing that law on everyone becomes the next bad thing that the human race does when we try to force each other to be, you know, less perverse and less dishonest and less hateful. We just don't have that power over each other. Every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit of God to come inside and do heart surgery. The whole world needs the heart surgery of the Holy Spirit. But how can God enter into a world like this? That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus paid for all the sins of the world. Jesus cleanses every single person on that cross so that when God looks at us, he says, now there's a temple I can live in. And his Holy Spirit comes into the heart and Jesus makes that possible. That's why it's so important that we share Jesus with the whole world to obey him, to be like him, and frankly, to make more who are like him because this world needs it. So if that's the why, okay, then... What's the how? How do we share the good news of Jesus? How do we share our story with other people? Um, you know, we're so afraid it's going to be awkward. We're so afraid it's going to make relationships tense. We're so afraid it's going to be offensive and annoying to people. So let's start there. Why are we so, why are we so afraid it's going to be awkward? And why are we so afraid it's going to be tense? And why are we so afraid it's going to annoy someone? It doesn't have to be like that especially if it's good news. Um, I want to share a video with you. This video came to social media about 12 years ago. Um, so it comes from uh, the comedian, the magician, Penn Gillette. You remember the duo, comedian, magicians, Penn and Teller? Okay, so Penn Gillette is a brilliant, intellectually brilliant person. Um, he is also a really hard-boiled atheist. He does not think much of religion. He does not think much of churches, mosques, and synagogues. He, doesn't, he does not think much of us. But at one of his shows, after one of his shows, one of his fans stayed after. This fan was also a follower of Jesus and, and asked Penn if he could give him something. And, and Penn received that gift and went right home of his own accord and put on his own social media his response to that event which had just taken place after the show. And so it's like four and a half minutes long, but it's worth our watch to watch how this atheist receives this gift from a follower of Jesus. So let's watch this together for a minute. 
I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done, big guy, probably about my age. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you," and he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, 
uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. I mean, it might go like that. Why couldn't we expect it to go like that? That's how it goes, especially if you follow how the scripture teaches us to share. Uh, what Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. We preach that a lot here. I, I bring this verse up a lot to you here. You've heard me say this before. You'll always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it in a gentle and a respectful way. But I want to focus today on the first uh, line of that scripture. Boy, they take those away from you really fast, don't they? I, I never see it from this angle. Um, don't be afraid to let them sit up there. That's more important than whatever I'm saying. All right. So the first line is, uh, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's the most important thing to share faith is like to have the faith and to practice the faith yourself. If you're really getting serious in this moment about wanting to share your good news of Jesus Christ with the world, the very best thing you could be doing right in this moment is probably the thing that you are doing right now. You're getting up with an hour less sleep and you're coming to worship God and to take part in the Lord's table and to learn from his word because you're filling yourself up so that it's right here. It's right here. Don't you know the worst people out there sharing their faith right now are people who think they believe in Jesus but haven't done anything about it in like 30 years? You've been around them. You, you kind of like, stop helping me. Um, you've forgotten more than what you used to know. Um, and so um, be full, be full of the Lord so that when that moment comes, it's, it's, it's all right here. In fact, if you wanted to do something this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow morning that would really help you be able to share your faith, that would be to take out a, a journal or just a piece of paper or just sit quietly and just write down again the things that Christ has done for you. Just get that all downloaded again. You know, the things you used to believe that you don't believe anymore because of Jesus. Uh, the things you used to do that you don't do anymore because of Jesus. The things you didn't used to think, but now you think about because of Jesus. And the ways you didn't used to love, but now you love because of Jesus. And just reflect on that and get that all, all right here. And that's one of the very best things you could do right now. So um, as we're talking about the how, there's a lot of churches right now, I noticed uh, the last few months using this BLESS acronym, B-L-E-S-S. -S. I normally don't like acronyms. I'm always thinking, what are the chances that what God wants me to do happens to all start with letters that spell a word in English? But, um, but this one has just enough fakely wedged in words that makes me think it's honest. I always find acronyms more honest if a couple of the words are wedged in or the word is spelled wrong. So <laughs> just one of my hangups. Um, and so, Here's, here it is, bless, and the, and the first one is wedged in there, so I, I think this is probably honest. Uh, begin to pray. Begin to pray. If you want to share your faith, begin to pray. Pray that God will create the opportunity. Not that you have to go out and be a rabid dog looking for it, but that God will bring it. You could pray for a specific person that you're thinking of that you know needs Jesus, that God would make that opportunity for you to speak to them. 
I cut out the part of the story because he goes on a long time, but that fan wasn't in that night's show. That fan was in the previous night's show and then came back after the second night. I, I bet that guy prayed all day. Um, so begin to pray. Uh, or you can pray that God will just give you any opportunity God would like to give. The great thing about beginning to pray is it helps you kind of suit up. Like I'm getting serious about this. I'm expressing my desire to God to participate in the go and make disciples commission. It also lets God know that he has a player on the sidelines warming up and ready to get in the game as soon as God wants to call. So whatever God's got to orchestrate, you're beginning to pray kind of says to God, I'm ready. I'm ready, coach. Send me in. And so begin to pray. Um, the next one, L, is listen. Listen. Uh, don't enter into this and just, and just start burping out things to say or quoting Bible verses or something. Listen. Listen to this person. Um, listen for where they are already in their faith. Listen for what God has already been doing so that you know kind of where you want to get into the stream. You've been praying that God would orchestrate this, right? Trust that he has, and he's already done some things. So, so listen. Because you know, the person may say to you, um, I don't, look, I don't even believe that God exists, Okay, well, there's a certain place to begin. Like, well, how do you think the world came to be and all the complexity of it? You know, tell me. Or, you know, they may say, I believe in God. I'm just not sure he looks like Jesus. Okay, that's a different place to start. You know, well, what do you think Jesus looks like? And what makes you think God might not look like that too? Um, they may say, look, I'm good with God and Jesus, uh, but my kid's sick and God's not answering my prayers and I'm just done with the whole thing. Well, that's a whole different conversation. So you could really miss the opportunity to be actually useful but just by not listening enough and getting on at the wrong station on this train that God already has in motion. So listen and see where this person's been and where you sense that God may be taking them and try to cooperate with that. The next one is another wedged-in one, so I love this acronym. It has two awkward wedge-ins. Um, e is for eat a meal with them. So I really thought, did they just put that in there so it would spell bless? But the more I thought about it, the more I like it. The more I thought about it, the more I like it. Because one, it lets you know how long this listen part lasts. You know, it's not like listen for 30 seconds and then start talking. Spend some time. Have them over. Take them out. Meet for coffee. This listen is like, tell me your story. Tell me what you've been through. Tell me more about that. You know, eat a meal with them. Spend some time on this. But I also like eat a meal with them because in our culture and in every culture in the world, and how often is that true? And in our time and in all time of history, eating with someone has been a sign of acceptance. Sitting down and eating with someone has been a sign of, well, there's something extra between you and I. Because we don't just invite anyone over to our house to eat or go out to eat with anyone. We go out with people we accept. Eating with someone is accepting someone. So that's good too. So then we come to the first S. And the first S is serve them. Look for an opportunity to serve them. Most of the uh, team member opportunities that you all sign up for here at church are an expression of this. Serving someone who's come to our church. Taking care of their kids. Cleaning up the building. Making sure the sound and the lights and the screens work. Um, and all that stuff that we do. All the important stuff you do. The leading of the small groups. All of it. I'm leaving stuff out. I'm sorry. It's all serving people though. Um, but also in your daily life. Um, are they moving? Could they use some help moving? 
Do they need a ride to work while their car is in the shop? Um, Do they just need help carrying in something from the car, need help with the project at the office? Serve someone. We're back at the same Bible verse we read a month ago, and we're back there for exactly the same reason, because to be reminded that Jesus said, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And our last S is now share. Share your story. But if you've done all that other stuff, how different this is going to go. If you've been praying for this opportunity and you've listened, and this is someone you've eaten with and someone you've served, then when you share whatever it is that God's done for you, how differently they're going to hear that than just being accosted by a stranger. It could go a lot, lot better. So begin to pray. Listen, you can take out your phones and take a picture of that if you want. Begin to pray. Uh, Listen, eat a meal with them, serve and share. Now, how do we share? What do we, is this where we start quoting Bible verses or what's going to happen? We'll be talking more about this in weeks to come, but here's a, here's a quick one that's real easy. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller came up with this and I, I like it, so I'm going to share this with you. He suggested that you plan to share kind of in stages of this relationship and that the first thing you can do is just uh, let them know that you go to church and that you like it and then just leave it at that maybe. First round is let them know you go to church and you like it. So instead of telling people like, oh, last weekend we spent all day Saturday putting up a ceiling fan. Like, tell them what you did last weekend. Like, last Saturday we spent all day putting up a ceiling fan. But then we got up on Sunday and went to church. We always like to do that. And then we, uh, you know, lazed around the rest of the day. Right there in that moment, something can begin to happen. First off, the person will go, oh, a church person. Didn't see that coming. Seems so normal, you know. Now they're watching. And the things you do after are a testimony to Christ. That's like the least thing that could happen is they just become alerted like, oh, this person's kind to me and goes to church. But something else could happen. So we use this term like I found God, right? But all of us who have done that know that that's not what happened at all, right? God found us. And that's always how our story goes. I just came to this place in my life where things weren't working and Jesus kept coming up in conversations, in places, in songs on the radio, people I met walking in the neighborhood, verses were everywhere. I couldn't get away from him. It's like God was chasing me, I realized. And that's why all the my stories say, you know, uh, I thought God had left me, but I found out he was there the whole time. So when you say, uh, we went to church, we always like to do that. If you're like the fifth person that month to say that, something could happen right then. Another one. Okay, tell me, tell me what's your church? Why do you go there? Give me the whole thing. Like they may ask you. You don't know. You don't know. Probably more like the first one, but but maybe the second one. Um, Another thing, then let's talk about the next stage. The next stage would be in a conversation, you know, you just look for an opportunity to let them know the real difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. And this is the importance of that journaling and reflecting I was talking about. So that story is kind of right here. Because at some point, this person may say, my spouse is making me crazy. And if that's your story, then you can say, you know, I used to think a lot about why my spouse wasn't meeting my needs. And then I remembered that Jesus came to serve us. So maybe I should just serve my spouse. And when I started doing that, it made all the difference. 
Hmm, tell me about that. Maybe they're having kid struggles. And if that's your story, you can say, yeah, I've done the sleepless nights and I've done the teenagers and the adult kids and woof. But, uh, but then one day, I, if this is your story, you know, one day I was sitting in church, we were singing a song and it just, God kind of reminded me that you used to wander and do crazy stuff when you were young, so your kids are too. What saved you? Knowing me. So I just started kneeling at the foot of my bed, stopped trying to control my kids and just said, God, may they know you and I can't tell you the difference that it made. Maybe they have the same diagnosis you had. And if that's your story, you can say, you know, when I got that diagnosis, I was very afraid I was going to die. But I knew God. He'd been good to me. I had a peace. I'd rather stay here with my wife and kids. But if not, to be with God is a good thing. So how do you feel about the fact that you may die? And you see what God does with it with these conversations from there. So, can we keep learning about this in the weeks to come? Because I need this. <laughs> um, and I wonder if maybe we all couldn't use a little bit of this. So we talked today about the why, because Jesus calls us to make disciples. Uh, if we want to be like Jesus, he was someone who told the world the good news of God's forgiveness. So we want to be like him and tell the world the good news. And also just practically, this world needs more Christians right now, not less. And, and how, you know, bless, begin to pray, listen, eat with them, serve them, share what God has done in your life. Let them know that you go to church and you like it. Just leave it at that for a little bit. And then wait for the opportunity to tell what Jesus has really done for you and see if that doesn't connect with what God's already been doing for them. Amen. Oh,